Hello and welcome to the 43rd episode of Breaching Extinction. This week we're back and talking to Ellie Sawyer, who was formerly our Porpoiseode co-host, about her experience up in the San Juans this summer. Hope you guys enjoy it. Hello. Hey. Hello. Hi. How are y'all? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing good. Awesome. Well, We've got Ellie here, as per usual. Actually, not per usual. I'm pretty stoked that you're here right now because it seems like forever since we've chatted about whales, like, formally. Like, I feel like we have informal chats about whales yes. all the time. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. so tell, us, tell us about your summer and what's going on in the San Juans. Yeah. So summer's been interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, I now work for Maya's Legacy Whale Watching which is, in my opinion, the best whale-watching company in the world. Amazing. But, um, but I think I'm pretty spoiled here. Um, yeah. We So I got I got offered the job was it in January, and then yeah. March rolled around, and with everything going on with the pandemic, they were like, yeah, we're shutting down. We don't know when we're going to open back up. I moved over here in May and then didn't start until June 20th. And so we're running at half capacity right now. But it's funny because we're still filling up like crazy, which has been really good for, for my, my checkbook. Yeah, really for, sure, for sure. Really, really good for my soul, too, because that means we get to go out and see the whales. And uh, it's been interesting. With the pandemic, though, it's it's also been kind of stressful because we can't cross the Canadian border like we used to. Mm. Um Innocent rite of passage is what allows boats in the U.S. to go into Canadian waters as long as we don't, like, dock or make anchor or beach or anything like that. Right. So it's kind of limited our range not having that ability to go into Canadian waters. Um, It's kind of been frustrating, but I definitely see where the Canadian government is coming from. For sure. But, uh, But, yeah, whales have been good. We're seeing lots of big killer whales. Um, lots of humpbacks this year too. Amazing. And we had a we had a two week stint with J Pod, which was crazy. From like what was it, July fourth to July eighteenth, mm-hmm. we had them almost every day. And if they weren't on the west side of San Juan, they were up at the Fraser River. They weren't there for very long because the Fraser River is doing really poorly. But right, right. But um, yeah, it was we got really spoiled having them here yeah i saw all over social media that like everybody up there was posting about it so super sick uh that's awesome that you guys like had them for a while because i i feel like we never know when it's gonna happen yeah so that's amazing did you have any like particularly incredible encounters that you want to share oh yeah so yeah we're ready (laughs) (laughs) so because obviously we're whale people and we can never get enough of the whales. We, right, right. While J-Pod was in, we we got into this habit of going straight from work to Westside Preserve. We also call it Land Bank. And mm-hmm. it's basically like this, not a beach per se, but it's like this rocky cliff that you can sure. kind of sit on and watch them go by. And there's a place where you can walk down to the water. And, and uh, J-Pod had just gone gone up north cruising when and and this year so so in past years and you know historically j pod they would do what we call the west side shuffle and basically mm-hmm. that milling along so from like 
I want to say South Beach, all the way up to, well, what's that point? Basically all the way up to like Yacht Haven mm-hmm. on San Juan. But because the fish haven't been as plentiful when they were in, they were kind of doing a stunted version. Right, right. They, they get like from South Beach to Edwards Point, which is like just south of that land bank, that West Side Preserve area. Yeah. So whale watching from there was actually pretty hard, and all of that, all of that land is either really, really poor viewing or it's private, privately owned. So there's nowhere else to really watch them. And so we were at Land Bank, and J-Pod had just just gone up past us, and we were really excited to have seen them at all. And then somebody calls out, oh, my God, they're coming back. And, like, all 22 whales went right tight to shore. Ah. And we got like, these amazing, intimate looks at these whales, and, like, they what? were leaning out of the water and looking at what? us. And, like, it was so magical. It was so special. Oh, my um, God. Yeah. That's it amazing. amazing. It was it was phenomenal. It it was phenomenal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I said that to my friend the other day, and she was like, "What the heck is wrong with you?" And I was like, "So many things. Where would you like me to start?" Oh my god, that's so amazing. Oh yeah, you're just thriving. Oh, you're just out there thriving. I'm just like, I'm so proud and ecstatic to see you out there doing your work and for like people that are just tuning in ellie is one of my best friends ever and like you're just you're just curling it out there and it's amazing to see and i'm so glad that you're having these experiences because ugh, just amazing thank you oh thank my you. god <laughs> well we just need to like freaking get that salmon back i'm so over this you know mm-hmm. yeah for sure. it's kind of crazy i'm glad that you guys have like people coming out though it's kind of the same up here in Monterey or down here in Monterey, your north of me, um, to where we're like, you know, we don't have nearly as many people, but we're pretty much at capacity for what we do have. Um, so I'm glad that people are still doing that. Did your guests and like your passengers get to see the Southern residents too when um, they oh, were in yeah. town? Okay, yeah. good. Nice. And like, so, so the thing of it is, is like when the Southern residents come in, there's usually almost nothing else to watch. Maybe something comes back. But, like, okay. the big killer whales, which we usually are watching up here, they bug out. Like, they okay. – it's like they have some sort of, like, crazy understanding or maybe, like, the big killer whales are like, oh, my God, you guys are too noisy. Like, we got to get out of here. You guys are too noisy. <laughs> <laughs> you scared all the seals away. Lord. So something crazy like that. So they, like, they leave. And, like, even the day after the seven residents are out, like, we don't – we usually don't see big killer whales. Sure, sure. So it makes, it makes finding whales kind of hard because, you know, killer whales are a lot more conspicuous than maybe a backer or a minky whale. Yeah, I mean, because, like, with the killer whales, like, you're not always going to hear, hear the breath the same way that you do with a humpback. Like, you can never miss a humpback's breath. Like, right. it doesn't matter, like, how far away it is. I feel like you can never miss its breath. Right, but, but there's more kinda, of them. There's more of them, like, too. Yeah. And then, like, with a humpback, it's just the one, and, like, you never know where it's going to be. You never know. Where, whereas, like, you can kind of tell where the, where the killer whales are going to be based on where, like, harbor porpoise are usually seen or where, like, harbor seals are usually seen or things like that. Mm-hmm. So you can kind of key in on killer uh, big killer whales better than, than yeah. the humpback. Yeah. So, obviously, like, I mean, we've talked about this outside of this, but there's, like, no 
there's no scientific evidence or like no scientific um, findings on why the bigs like dip when the resis come in. What are your no. theories? Because I think I think that there was like a long time ago they like we had beef or something and like we're like this is my territory. But maybe it's not that. Maybe it's like what you're saying where it's like they're too noisy and the seals are like leaving because the resis are there like chatting it up, you know. Yeah, so I've I've talked to a couple of different people about what they think, and there are a couple of theories out there. And the one, yeah, you're right, is like, you know, they're marine mammal eaters, and maybe at one point in their interactions with each other, like, bigs killer whales try to separate an, a southern resident calf from its mother, and like, a, but southern residents have these big, big pods, and it's super easy to scare off the a, a smaller bigs killer whale pod. Yeah. So. Maybe they just had an understanding after that. The other theory is, yeah, I mean, big killer whales are hunting things with really sophisticated hearing. And when the southern residents come in, they're echolocating. And they're chatting all the time with each other and just, like, obscuring everything in the water. And it also, big killer whales, not only are their, their food, not only does their food have to have to listen for them, but they have to listen for their food. Because they, they don't echolocate when they hunt. So they're constantly having to listen for splashing in the kelp beds or, or some sort of clicks and whistles from porpoises or things like that. So it, maybe it makes it harder for them to hunt, too. Yeah, I could see that. I could definitely see that. I mean, I just, like, I know with... I mean, I don't want to say that other animals don't have culture because, like, I just don't think they're well-studied enough. Um, I think that, like, you know, with the the whales and dolphins because they're such a charismatic animal and they've been studied. We know that they have cultures, but I think maybe because of that, like potentially like we see that humans are like, this is my territory. This is what I do. Like how the Canadians are like, get out of my waters. You, you nasty Americans with your diseases. <laughs> um, but like, you know, maybe it's the same thing and maybe it's not, but it's interesting that like, you know, they're, they'll occupy those spaces and then, and then leave, but we've never seen like scientifically, it's never been documented any beef between the whales. They just, right. like, they seem to be, like, kind of respectful of it. But I remember watching a video once, and, like, um, they had had, like, drones. Scientists had had drones. If you're not a scientist, you probably shouldn't drone a whale. You need, like, permits to do that. Just going to throw that out there. But um, they were, like, droning over these whales, and they, like, saw that, like, what had happened. It was, like, big killer whales were coming in around the residence. And, like, the whales, like, I think it was, like, the resis had, like, separated and gone on like each side of the bigs and they were like checking them out and they like the scientists were like standing there and like what are they going to do are they going to attack like what's going to happen and it was kind of just like it was like three separate groups like one was heading straight towards the bigs two were around but then they all just like passed each other and then the resis like converged together again and so they had theorized that like um they were just like checking them out and like setting up for like if there is potential beef if potentially we don't know like what's going on if something could happen like a safety sort of thing but yeah. there's so much we don't know you know yeah so and it's interesting you say that because it doesn't just happen with southern residents and big killer whales it also so k's and l's a few different natural lines from k's and l's came down over the top of vancouver island inland and made it right. down here but on their way they had to go through northern resident territory mm. and so and so a couple natural lines from from the northern residents actually like for an hour paralleled 
Southern residents in Johnstone Strait. And actually, and they've got this like big, they've got a couple rubbing beaches, but right. Northern residents, part of their culture is they, they go to these rubbing beaches to like scratch their bellies, potentially to exfoliate. And so they're going down Johnstone Strait and the Southern residents were on the mm-hmm. side of their, their rubbing beach. And like, they were dead silent the entire time. There is a, there's a microphone there at that rubbing beach. And they're like for an hour with no vocalization, no nothing. They just paralleled each other this entire time as they're heading south and then they eventually diverted from each other but it was really strange to see absolutely it's just yeah it's so interesting to see the different behaviors and the way that they interact and um i don't know because i was like reading up on vocalizations and like there are some vocalizations that are just like within resident communities but like there's still even distinct vocalizations within, like, the different groups of residents and, like, within said pods. Like, northern and southern residents have their own different calls, and then even JK and L pod have their own different calls, mm-hmm. too. Yeah. It's wild. Yeah. Yes. So how are the bigs doing? Are they just out there just thriving, just being oh, yeah. crazy yeah. as they as they are? Yeah. They're, they're, they're doing their thing. I saw your whales yesterday. Actually. I know. I saw you post a picture. <laughs> I was so uh, excited. I saw the little chin freckles, and I was like, "My girl, yeah!" Oh my god, they're so cute. Mhm. Super cute, and they were super social yesterday. Like before we even got there, like other boats were chattering about like how they were breaching and playing, and I didn't get to see them breaching at all. I think we caught the tail end of their socializing behavior, but it was super, super fun. That's we amazing. All the way up to the the border, too. Like we're down, we're down here. We came out of the west side of San Juan that day, and. It was a it was a truck to get up there, but it was so worth it. Oh, I believe so it. Worth it. That's so. awesome. And I saw you also saw the, that picture that you got of the sea lion with the fish like in its throat. Amazing. Yeah. So I a, love that. That was a spiny dogfish, like our smallest shark species here. And that's like, what I thought. I was yeah. is that a fucking shark? Amazing. Mhm. So I'm like because like sea lions don't have molars to chew down on on their food like we do like they have to do yes. that they have to thrash it around or like rip it up and tear it in smaller bits to swallow. That's amazing. Cool. Yeah, that's so cool. I saw a California sea lion like totally demolishing a sunfish like flinging it around. It was great. Um, <laughs> they only eat the fins though of the sunfish, which was pretty oh, cool. Really? But yeah, like because the the meat of mola mola is like too dense for most animals. It's, like, weird. I think that, like, honestly, the mola mola, they just seem like they're so much like aliens. <laughs> the other animals are like, I don't know. You look you look weird. But apparently their their meat is, like, super dense, so other animals don't like it. But the sea lions will just, like, eat their, their fins. That's weird. <laughs> but he was, like, he. I swear to God, he was flinging it around like it was a Frisbee. I have a That's video of really it. He was, like, just flinging it. And I was like, thank you. That was good. Amazing. I'm sure that that mola mola is having the time of its life. Um, that's awesome. I feel like sea lions are really dramatic in the way that they kill things. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> oh, for sure. Although, like, a week and a half ago, I definitely saw a harbor seal trying to kill a skate. Mm. And, like, that was kind of dramatic. The only reason we saw it was because, like, it was flipping it around. Yeah. But then, like, it was trying to, like, ch- like gnaw on it a little bit. And so, like, skates, they're, like, raised. So she she had it folded up in her mouth, and the way it was in her mouth, she looked like a muppet. Oh. The way the way it was all folded up. It amazing. That's amazing. I um just talked to 
Chief Kwok's sister, and he was saying something about Harbor Seals. We were having a conversation, like, off the mic about Harbor Seals. And he was like, Harbor Seals, they don't do anything. They're not tough. People want to kill the Harbor Seals, and they're not they're, – they can't even – like, they're not tough. So I was like, okay, <laughs> nice. But they're funny. I feel like the Harbor Seals are so silly. They just, like – they they're not they're not as crazy as the other ones. When we watch like the orcas kill things and the sea lions kill things, the harbor seals are like way more delicate in the way that no. they murder. They're just out here trying their best. Okay, they are. <laughs> they're just doing their best. If that's not a mood for 2020, I don't know what. Is. <laughs> uh, oh, you would like the harbor seals down here. They're like a lot darker than your harbor seals like we have yeah. the black and white spotted ones they're so cute oh i have one that like at my kayak job it'll come bother me like while i'm trying to rat kayaks and it'll just like like kind of hang out next to my dock and like just stare at me and like it harasses oh, me on paddle boards like when so my coworkers and i will go paddle boarding after work sometimes and like it will just like it will follow us around and i'm like okay hello um i don't want to slam it was a friend. I'm like, listen, the Marine Mammal Protection Act says I cannot be your friend. You are harassing me. Like, who do I call? Like, I'm <laughs> one whale. Someone help. <laughs> so, but they're, they're cute. That's but awesome. Have you guys, did you have a lot of pups this year? I've seen a lot of pups, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And they're... They're so funny. Like, you n- almost never hear Harbor Seals vocalize. This time of year, like, it's all like, Mom, Mom, Mom. Cry <laughs> in their little heads off. I'm like, hungry, and you left me by myself. And you left me. Help me. It's funny. Yeah. So funny. So have you had any other, like, amazing encounters? I mean, it looks like you're just you're just jamming. You're... You are thriving in 2020, and I'm glad to see that someone is thriving in 2020 because the rest of the world is not. So, yeah. So, like two days ago, the T10s were in, and they almost, they like, Dave Ellisfrit, who works for the Center of Whale Research, was saying that he hasn't seen them in U.S. waters in like 30 years or something like that. Oh. And they were on his list this year. He really wanted to see them. And uh, and they did. They popped up to the west side for like a whole like two, three, four hours, and uh, and like they're su- super social, like killing and prey sharing. And the male, he's like 21 years old, like reached t- like three times. That's Which amazing. Males males of that age, you don't often see breaching because like they're just these big, like 15,000 pound animals and like it takes a lot of energy to want to pounce out of the water even one time but like mm-hmm. three times nuts. yeah and then his mom is something like 56 years old so like those more mature families you just don't see like a lot of action from so we we got there and I was like okay we're just gonna see him cruise around maybe maybe grab a seal yeah but, it was awesome that's amazing I love that for you I wonder if, like, they're, like, I mean, because, like, I want to say that there's, like, a difference in vessel activity with the pandemic. Like, I'm wondering if, like, that has to do with it. If, like, there's just so many changes in the water that they're, like, their behavior is changing, too, you know? You know, there are less commercial whale watch boats out on the water, or le- there are less out there, less frequently. Mm-hmm. Um, I wouldn't say that there are less boats out there. And, in fact, there are definitely more private and recreational boats out there. Mm, how's that going and 
so when Southern residents were in, you know, Whale Watch, the Whale Watch community, how it's set up out here is we're kind of the model for good boat behavior out here. I mean, where we work with Soundwatch, we're, we're now officially partnering with NOAA and the Washington Department of Fish and Wildlife to act as sentinels out here for the whales and to kind of educate other boaters. But there were days where, you know, tours weren't going out either because it was too late in the day or because because they just couldn't book the kind of people that they needed to. And I was out at Land Bank one day, and they, the southern residents were foraging right in front of Land Bank, and these mm-hmm. three sailboats just came cruising by, like, and on their motors, and just, just super loud, super fast, and Heishka, J-37 Heishka, actually came out of the water and started slapping her tail on the water in these huge uh. percussive slaps, and she was pissed. Because she's under yeah. the water trying to find her fish, and these boats don't know any better. They they're just zipping right up to her, and then they're right on her. They were like fifty, like fifty yards away from her. And you know, people get on the whale watching boats up here because you know, a distance on the water is often distorted, and I I totally get that. And it often looks like we're we're too close when we're not. But, you know, without those whale watch boats and even without Soundwatch or WDFW out there, like, these boats don't know how to behave. And it and it makes for really, really high-risk interactions with these guys. Right. So. Yeah. I mean, when we talked to Taylor um, Shedd, who was with Soundwatch at the time, I mean, he had said that most people are, like, compliant once they know have, yeah. have you been seeing Soundwatch? Like, are they able to get out there and, like, correct oh, yeah. people? Or, like, are you guys yeah. able to say stuff? And then does it get better at that point? Or Yeah. Okay, yeah. Well, so, so Soundwatch goes out there. They they handle most of it. Every now and again, if Soundwatch isn't there or they can't get to the individuals in time, what we'll do is we'll either flag down the individuals who are misbehaving with, with a be whale wise flag. Right. Or we'll try and contact them on the radio. And I think the, the like common channel is like one six or something like that, and we'll try and you know inform them like, hey, you're doing this, and usually they're like, oh, thanks, man, I didn't know. I have yeah. had a couple interactions where like they just completely ignore us or they say, well, I didn't see any whales, something along those lines. But right, right. I mean, it's like when we talk to Taylor Shed, like most of the most of the interactions are good, and they just don't know, and they want to do their part, and they want to be well behaved. Absolutely. So. Yeah. I think so. And I think that's true for most people. Like I had a guy come up to me um, who was on a kayak and he was like corrected for um, getting too close to a sea otter. And then he like came up and he was like asking me what the regulations are and blah, blah, blah. And like he felt like genuinely bad that he like had gotten too close. And I think most people do care. You just got to like you gotta give people the benefit of the doubt, basically. For sure. For sure. Conversely, so I'd, I'd like to bring this up too. like in Canada there's no viewing of the Southern residents anymore. Like whale watch boats are not allowed to view them. Really? So, which, you know, on paper sounds good, but sure. A lot of Canadian naval activity up there is dependent on knowing whether or not Southern residents are in those waters. And, you know, private boaters aren't going to be going all the way out in the middle of the state of Georgia. Wow. And that's, that's, I mean, in some places in, in the state of Georgia, that's where the Navy is doing a lot of their sonar testing. It's also where there's a lot of tankers, also where there's a lot of ferries. And right. so we don't have those boats to, you know, 
follow along with them and say, hey, they're right here to those boats who might need to know where they are. And we do right. we do know that J-34 double stuff was actually killed by a ferry strike uh, in B.C. So yeah. it's one of those things that, you know, yeah, it sounds good on paper, but you don't have those people watching watching the whales and ensuring that, hey, we know where they are and we're going to keep an eye on them and make sure they get out of, you know, get get to a safe distance. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, it definitely, it's it's interesting, you know, the way that we, like, you know, at least in classes, like, you learn different theories and things like that of, like, good environmental practices and, like, best policy and management, and then it's, like, what actually works on paper, what actually works in real life, and I feel like oftentimes those things are different, and, like, while it's great to have, like, certain models and be, like, hey, like, you know, let's limit noise disturbance and vessel presence and things like that, like, you know, this is a really good example of instances that you need to look at on a case-by-case basis and really evaluate the impact of those vessels, both, you know, negative and positive. And I, I totally agree with you. I think having the presence of the the whale-watching vessels, like, sets a standard. And, you know, it, people out there are, like, definitely, like, people aren't going to break rules in front of people that are going to judge them, you know? Like, that's just how oh, humans humans work not that I think that like judgment and shame is an effective tool ever but like I mean it does work so um (laughs) they're not gonna I don't think it's a healthy tool I'm not gonna say it's not effective clearly it's effective because people aren't gonna do it but like still um but yeah no you're totally right that's interesting there's just like I it's the people that we need to manage not the whales and it's just like managing all those parts and like looking at it from the big picture sort of standpoint you know Mm -hmm. absolutely yeah, I'm like, and I'll totally agree with with people who say, well, there are bad whale watch boats out there. There I've are. Seen, yeah. I've seen I've seen really bad behavior from whale watch boats, but it's been on very rare occasions. I can list off like maybe three offhand. Yeah, so yeah. I, and like you know, some people make mistakes. Like there there are some whale watch boats that are just like in it for the money. And others that are in it because that they care about the whales and they want to connect people to the environment. And I think in that instance, like, I think what they need to do in the San Juans is because I would say in the San Juans, most of those people care. Like, the San Juans, when I talk about, like, ecotourism, I think that they set the standard for ecotourism, like, throughout the world. I I guess that there's people up there that don't think that, but based on, like, what I've seen in, like, Tanzania, Florida, California, San Juans is, like, setting the bar. They've got the highest bar that I have ever seen. And, like... Yeah we need to just like listen kind of to those people, but it's, it's all on a case by case basis. But... Like, you bring, you bring up a point. And like, I, when I talked to Monica about this, like she, she says it best, like people forget what whale watching was here, even like 15 years ago. I mean, people leapfrogging in front of the whales and trying to, trying to get them to swim under the boats and, you know, following really close behind them and not, not behaving well at all. And now, like, you know, it's completely different. Not, yeah. we're not, not only are we not out here to make money, we're not hiding, like, information from each other. No. But we're also out here, like, serving a dual purpose. We're serving that, educating our passengers about the beautiful ecosystem that we live in. And we're also out here educating boaters about how to operate safely around these whales. Yes, I totally agree. Like, and you guys, like, Literally, it's a, in Florida, like, that is not the case. In Florida, they drive over dolphins all the time. Granted, they don't know better, and I recommend that whoever, if anyone's interested in this, they listen to the episode with Lindsay Hooper because she did her master's thesis on, like, the Florida dolphin ecotourism. 
And in California, I've like, there are some people that do it well and some people that don't. And like, I mean, there people hide information from each other here. And I was like, kind of shocked to find that out. I was like, wait, so like, there's like a catalog with the orcas and only like one company has access to it. Like, what isn't the whole point for us to all like educate people about the whales and like connect people to the whales because they're so important. But like you guys are, are, you guys are leaps and bounds ahead of everywhere else. And like, leaps and bounds of like other places like when I was in Tanzania I genuinely do think a lot of the ecotourism there was like from the heart and everything but when I was in the Serengeti and I've talked about this so many times there was a lion like a pride of lions that was trying to hunt a zebra and there was at least 150 cars or like at least 100 vehicles in the area blocking this lion from hunting and like they're moving up and they're coming in and like they just keep moving and like we left because all of us were looking at each other we're like this is like we're privileged enough to have the knowledge that this is not okay. And so like, we're just going to leave. So like as much as I would have loved to see a lion hunt down a zebra, we didn't say. And like, you know, most people just don't know, but now we have the knowledge and there's kind of like no excuses in a sense, you know, because like a lot of the data is there, but there's still this like weird pettiness and it just comes down to like human ego and stupid stuff. Like I feel like all the time, that's what everything boils down to. The root of everything is like human ego problems. And like, and the San Juans, I'm not saying that you guys don't have ego problems because there definitely are other problems out oh, there. But as far sure. as with whale watching, you, like you guys are, you guys are doing good. And like, I love that the attitude of like continuing to get better and like continuing to be more cooperative. And, like, that's how we all should be. Like, you guys are a very great role models for the rest of us, you know? Yeah, so. I think so too. But. You guys should like come down here and like give seminars or something and be like, <laughs> "Hello, oh this is God. how we behave." I'm just like shocked though too because like there's so many things that are like against the law that we see like in Florida, in California, in like so many other places that are just like blatantly illegal and like I'm just like, what is what is going on right now? You know? Right. So. Yep. Like, I see so much droning down here, and, like, I remember talking to Jordan Lerma about it because he, like, does um, AI and everything, and he does, like, research with droning whales, and I was like, what are your thoughts? Because, like, obviously, I'm going to listen to a scientist as opposed to, like, any random person, and he's like, the data just, like, isn't there, and also, like, it is against, like, the Marine Mammal Protection Act to get as close as people do with their drones, but I see it here constantly, and I'm just like, I don't understand because, like... What are you doing? Um, but it definitely like happens. Yeah. Um, so, but it's like I don't know. We just need to have like good intent. And I'm not like, okay. I just got really distracted because I'm sitting in downtown San Jose, and some man literally just rode by me on three scooters. Like he stacked the three scooters on top of each other and was riding them. Anyway, uh, that okay. was interesting. <laughs> Love that. Love that. Um. Yes, but, like, there's just, I don't know. I just feel like we should be, we should take more precautions. And, like, I totally understand in the beginning of whale watching, like, when you don't know, you don't know. But now we know, and now we know, like, the types of things that affect the animals. And if there's something that we don't know, I think we should hold back until we have enough information, you know? I agree. I agree. And I think that's kind of been the sting point. That's kind of been our our downfall for most of humanity is like if we don't know like we don't we just continue to proceed and we don't care about you know the 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 consequences we just we just do it and then we deal with the consequences afterwards which is 
really reactive and really not productive in the end. No, it's we're, not. We're, we end up doing a lot of cleanup that could ultimately have been prevented. Exactly, if we just, like, waited. And, you know, I'm not sure if that's, like, an American thing or if other humans do that, too, but I feel like we're constantly in a rush, you know, and mm. constantly trying to succeed. And I find myself in that trap all the time, too, of, like, always rushing. I'm like, to what? Where are we rushing to? Like, there's no, mm-hmm. like, nothing. But it's, like, you know, it's way to take the time, wait a couple years to, like, see what the scientists and the people who have, have been trained for years have to say, you know, um, and see what the data says. You know, it's not like what they have to say. It's not like their personal opinion. See what the data says that they've collected, mm-hmm. you know. And also, that's like, help sure. them when you can, too. Like, there's – that's one of the things I noticed down here is a lot of the data, like, on the – has been collected on the whale watch boats is a little bit gatekeepy. And I'm like, guys, like, I know that you love the whales because you work in whale watching. But, like, if you really love the whales, you need to give your data to people that can use it for good, you know. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, it's just a weird world we live in, my dude. It's so weird. Yeah. But I mean, like, especially, and in, in the pandemic has kind of been a blessing and a curse. It's been a blessing yes. in that we've been able to really see people for their true colors. I mean, when people are as stressed as they are with all, everything that's going on, like, their their ability to filter and kind of mask that true nature is, is stunted. And so yes. we've really we've really seen people's real natures come out in, in regards to a lot of this stuff. Yes. And of course, of course, the downside of that is it's the pandemic, and you know, there's there's not as much to do about those things as maybe in the past. Although, with as many people who are just sitting home in quarantine, not able to like go to work or like get distracted by football or things like that, like they actually are spending a lot more time like on the internet and like. You know, part of the reason I think why the a lot of the recent protests and um, demonstrations have been so successful is because those people literally aren't distracted by work yeah. or by, by, like, this need to constantly be successful, be making money, be, like, you know, continuing that drive. Yes. So people have been a lot more engaged, which, yeah. is, which is really cool. No, I totally agree. I think it forces people to get present, like, especially with the lack of sports, because that's such an easy, like, that's such a thing that so many people love. And it's like, it's easy to just throw yourself into that. But without all the world's distractions, like, I mean, and I'm totally one of those people, I'm always distracting myself with success. I'm like, what's the next thing? What's the next thing? What program can I apply to next? What internship can I do next? Like, and I'm like, well, all the programs that I would apply to or want to do, it doesn't even make sense right now, because it's field work. And like, you can't really do that in a pandemic. And so I've even had to sit with myself and be like, okay, what's the thesis? What's going on? For How sure. do we legitimately make this world better? And yeah, I think you're totally right because, you know, the pandemic sort of quieted everything else. There were, we were able to amplify voices and situations that needed to be amplified. So, and, and I think that's, that's true for, for the seven residents. I mean, like I last year, I don't think I I got a whole lot of questions about Southern residents specifically. Well, on whale watches, I get right. it now and again, and like the people were just out here to see orcas. They didn't know, right. like you know, we have the two different types. That one's doing really well, or one's not doing well. Right. But you know, in the last after after they announced J J thirty five Talica has is pregnant. Mm-hmm. That's all I'm hearing about when I'm out. Oh, my goodness. And it's because people are, like, online, and they're wanting to learn more about the killer whales, and they're learning about the southern residents, and they're learning about her. And it's like, 
people are a lot more engaged and they're willing to do things. And, you know, and I absolutely take the time to talk to people and like, hey, these animals aren't getting the food that they need. There's a lot right. of things that we can do to fix that. But the right. really big key keystone piece here is breaking the Snake River dams. Yes. And that's like one of many, many things that we need to do. We got to get our like fisheries in check and everything too. But I think we're, we're, the quiet has made people assess what really matters, like Kaleko being pregnant and reaching the lower Snake River Dam. I love that you're getting more questions about the Southern residents. Like that's, I mean, those are the conversations that you need to have on the boat, you know? Absolutely. And I'm glad that people yeah. are paying attention and listening because I agree. I feel like last summer I didn't really get a lot of questions about the Southern residents. And I would say like, one out of every four trips that I have down here in Monterey, somebody brings up the Southern residents, like whether they know it or not. Like mm-hmm. I've had a guest, like I've had several guests be like, oh, I went up to like San Juan Island and we saw those orcas that were like feeding on the fish over by Lime Kiln and it was so cool, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, did you know, like, <laughs> you've seen an endangered species and then it's like a 30 minute conversation about like the Southern residents and what can we do and what's going on. And like most people are like, oh my gosh, I had no idea, but. Yeah, it's it's nice, you know, and it's, get more yeah, people and informed. Yeah, and it definitely goes back to what you were saying. It's like people ultimately want to do the right thing. People ultimately do care. And, mm-hmm. like, and, and, you know, I hope they go home and they, they take those actions to, like, calling Governor Inslee or Senator Murray or Senator Cantwell or even, like, even, like, people in Ohio, like the I, – I, or not Ohio, um, Idaho, like Idaho state government like there's a serious conversation about how the snake river dams are impeding their chinook their chinook salmon runs because that's right that is, the chinook salmon they get that far inland right they get all the way up into the rockies and so they haven't had good chinook runs in years because the snake river dams are just that much of an impediment on, yeah. on the species absolutely and then Absolutely. Kate Brown, like, like, or Governor Kate Brown, like, came out and she was like, hey, these, these, these dams need to come down. And so, like, I mean, if, for our listeners, I mean, if you're from Idaho, if you're from Oregon, if you're from Washington, you all should feel empowered. Or even if you're not from any of those states, like, literally, everybody should feel empowered yes. to talk to those people and say, hey, I support the breaching of the Snake River Dam. Because if there is that public will, then, then they have political will. Yes. And we need to keep pushing it. And then we need to keep pushing more because that's a one that's one way that we can solve this. Like that's a pretty quick fix. Like and even um Jim Waddell in his interview he talked about that. Like 'cause like you think that things take forever and they do in a sense. But at the same time, um they've already had put twenty years of work into it. We could get the dams down this year. We could get those salmon runs restored in like in like five years, basically. Like we could get it back to what it was. So yeah, Absolutely. Like, people have already been doing the work for 20 years, and now we're in that, like, final home stretch, and we just got to get it done, you know? Yeah, absolutely. We just got to commit. Yeah, we got to get we gotta get her done. It's time to, like, make a change and to to get all this stuff in, and it just, we just got to do it. So, absolutely. write those letters. The whales deserve it. The whales deserve it. You know, I did write that song for Jay Inslee, and I sent it to him, but I haven't heard anything back. So (laughs) you could write Jay Inslee a song. (laughs) Yes, please. Let's all write Jay Inslee songs. Please, everyone, just write it. 
my friend recommended, she was like, you know what you should do? Because she's like a law student or whatever. And she was like, we'll find a way to figure out like what is the legal limit of a public nuisance in Washington. And then we'll find the way to make sure that you're like loopholing around that. But I proposed speaker rocks around Jay Inslee's office and his home. Oh, my God. And play <laughs> Orca Demise on repeat. And then when he finds the rocks, just, <laughs> there's already another rock there. And, and then you can control it from your phone in Monterey. And I was like, Haley, that's genius. Obviously, we're not going to do that. But, you know, in theory, this is best political action right here. <laughs> Top notch. Holy cow. That's yeah. funny. Well, Seriously. is there anything else you care to share? Anything that you have to say about the whales or the salmon? Oof. Oof, oof. Um, let's see. I got my fingers crossed and we'll see them soon. The yes. residents. Me the, too. Uh, the fish count on the Fraser is always dismal, but it's it's up. So we're hoping those those draw them in and and uh, yeah, so our listeners. Always, always, always that call to action, for sure. Yes, for sure. It makes a difference. It really does, because without people saying something, nothing gets done. And if we all sit there and we're like, nothing is going to get done, or somebody else will do it, no. You're that somebody else that needs to do it, so go do it, please. Because mm-hmm. we're all doing it, but we need your help. Can't do it without you, so please help us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, thanks so much for joining us. Oh my god, it's so good to talk to you. I miss talking it was about so whales. So good to talk to you. Yes, I know. We need to like talk about whales more. But yes, okay. Thanks so much for joining us, and also happy birthday to Ellie. If you guys want to continue to support this project, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all that good stuff. We also have a Patreon account and swell as some merchandise on our website, so feel free to check those out as well. But if, as always, if you guys have questions about whales or other things, just shoot us a message. But have a great week. Bye-bye.